Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. All right, greetings, everybody. So this is going to be a completely different episode. I am not going to be doing an overview of this week's Precious Metals News. I do highly recommend that you take a little bit of time. Go over to shiftgold.com news and check out the articles over there. That will give you a pretty good overview of some of the news of the week. But um, this weekend, actually starting on Thursday, I'm going to be attending and speaking at the Mises Institute Supporter Summit over in St. Petersburg, Florida, and logistically... There's no way that I'm going to be able to record an episode of the show on Friday. So I thought, well, what can I do that's evergreen that I can record a couple of days before? Uh, And I thought, well, why not do an Ask Me Anything episode? So I solicited questions on our social media channels, got some really good questions, got some kind of weird questions, but got some really good questions that I'm going to run through for this episode of the show. Now, Some people take the Ask Me Anything theme a little bit too far. For instance, my friend Jonathan, he asked, what is your favorite thing about me? Yeah, that's a little too personal. We're not going to go down that road. Then there was my buddy Jeff. Jeff wanted to know, is the Friday Gold Wrap on Friday? Yes, that's why we call it the Friday Gold Wrap. Although... Maybe that's not such a dumb question when you really get down to it, because as I'm recording this, it's actually Wednesday. So, you know, maybe Jeff's not too far off of the ball. Um, I got some other weird questions, too, that I'm not going to even uh, get into. But uh, let's dig into some of the actually good questions that I got that uh, relate to uh, gold and silver and investing. Um First question, I'd love to hear a brief explanation of fractional reserve banking and the morality thereof. This is a really good question and not one that I've, I know I've never covered it on the show. Um, I've never written about it for Shift Gold either. And to be honest, I don't think I can really do a, uh, a brief explanation. It's actually pretty complicated, but I'll try to boil it down, um, What is fractional reserve banking? Well, that's the system that we have today. And in effect, it simply means that the bank is not required to keep all of its deposits on hand. It only has to keep a fraction of the deposits on hand at any given time. Um, This allows the bank to loan out a large amount of money. Now, Let's put numbers on it because that makes it a little bit easier to um, to wrap your head around. Let's say that the bank has $1,000 in deposits. We'll use a really small number just to keep it simple. Um, and let's say that there is a 10% reserve requirement. So that means the bank has to keep $100 on hand and it can actually loan out $900. Bucks. Fine and dandy up until the point that enough people want to get their money out of the bank who have deposited it uh, where they go beyond that 10% reserve. So, you know, basically that's the problem that we saw in the uh, the early days of America when you would have bank runs. You would have people would panic. They would want to get their money out of the bank. 
fractional reserve system, the money doesn't exist. It's been loaned out. Um, and then that is what raises the moral question. Is it right for the bank to loan out money that really technically belongs to somebody else? So this would be in contrast with a full reserve banking system, in which case the bank would be required to have at all times on hand all $1,000. So if everybody came at once and demanded their deposits back, the bank would be able to do that. In that case, the bank could only loan out money on what is known as a timed deposit. So as the depositor, I would have the option of going to the bank and say, I'm going to deposit this you know, $1,000 and I'm going to leave it there for five years contractually. So the bank would be able to loan that out as long as the loan doesn't go beyond five years because you've agreed essentially to allow the bank to use your money uh, to loan out. And so obviously that's a more stable system. Uh, A lot of economists would argue that you need fractional reserve banking so banks can loan money because in effect that is a way to expand the money supply, Uh, especially in a Keynesian framework. Expanding the money supply is very important because it stimulates the economy, uh, allows people to borrow money, and and allows the economy to grow. Um, But then there's the dark side of that, and we see it you know, more directly with the Federal Reserve as it prints money out of thin air, this creates the boom-bust cycle. And fractional reserve banking can also contribute to boom-bust cycles. Again, we saw this in the early days of America before we even had a central bank. So, you know, the morality question, I'm not sure where I fall on that. Because on the one hand, you can argue that as a depositor, you know that the bank is only holding 10% reserves. You are, in effect, taking that risk, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Um, as long as everything is upfront and understood, I don't know that it's immoral for the bank to lend out that money. Now, is it economically healthy? That's a debate, and that's a big debate even among economists uh, within the realm that you know I kind of adhere to in Austrian economics. Uh, economics. There are those who think that fractional reserve banking is just fine. There are others that say, no, we should have only full reserve banking. Um, I don't really know where I fall on that, so I can't answer the morality question. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about, but the important thing to know is today we do have fractional reserve banking. Now we have the government backing up your deposits with insurance, so ostensibly you're not going to lose any money, but of course you could uh, if the banking system collapsed. So, yeah, fractional reserve banking, great question. Next question, is there ever a time when it is wise to sell gold and silver rather than just hold? So I'm going to hedge a little bit as I answer this question, pun intended. Uh, you know, it really depends on what is your investment strategy. I mean, obviously, if you're investing and saving for retirement, uh, as you retire, you're not going to want to just hold on to your gold and silver uh, all the way through your retirement years, unless you're wanting to pass it on to your heirs. Um, you know, there is obviously a time to cash out and spend if that's what your goal is. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who like to play the gold and silver market. Uh, they like to try to time the highs and the lows and, and buy low, sell high, and, and try to accumulate wealth uh, through trading the market. And that's certainly a, a valid strategy. Personally, I think it's always wise to hold a certain amount of gold in your portfolio 
as an inflation hedge. Uh, Peter Schiff recommends 10 to 15%. That number can go a little bit higher in an inflationary environment, could go a little lower when gold is in a in a, in a bull market. Um, I think that there are times when you will want to take some of your money out of your precious metals pile and put it into riskier assets. Uh, when you know that the, uh, the stock market is going up in a bubble. Um, you know, it might not have been a bad idea to have sold gold, you know, in, in recent months and put it in the stock market because gold has been pretty stagnant and the stock market has soared. But of course, at some point, the stock market's going to crash. So you're not going to want to have all your money in there. So, you know, I don't give investment advice. I'm not an investment manager, not my thing. So please do not take anything that I say as an investment advice. I think it's really the key is to understand your strategy, understand what your goals are. If you are looking to simply protect your wealth over the long term, then holding gold is obviously wise. If you're looking to grow your wealth, um, then other kinds of investments may be more appropriate. Um, But I think there's always a place for gold and silver in your portfolio and in your investment strategy. So, you know, this is... At the end of every show, I say, call a shift gold precious metal specialist and talk to those guys because they really can walk you through your strategy and your goals and and help you see how precious metals will fit. Here's another scenario you might think about as well. Um, If you're holding a lot of gold and not a lot of silver and uh, you realize that you know maybe silver is on the cusp of going up, you might want to sell some gold and put some money over in silver. Uh, I know this happens quite often when the silver-gold ratio gets out of whack. Um, and, and that brings me to the next question. Should anyone who buys gold for long-term physical possession be overly concerned with the mint ratio, uh, and by that he means the silver-gold ratio, and its fluctuations? I think if you are holding physical gold long term, no, you're not going to worry a whole lot about the silver gold ratio and its fluctuations, other than it might give a signal as to a good time to buy silver. Um, so what is the silver-gold ratio, for those who may not uh, may not understand what that even is? Basically, the silver-gold ratio tells you how many ounces of silver it takes to buy one ounce of gold. And historically, that ratio has run, uh, in modern times, around 40 to 50 to 1. So in other words, 40 to 50 ounces of gold will buy you one ounce of silver. Now, over the last few years, that ratio has been way out of whack. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, it got all the way to 100 to 1. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that silver is way undervalued historically compared to gold. And that is a buy silver signal. It is telling you that silver is on sale relative to gold because the silver gold ratio tends to come back to its mean at some point. So when it gets out of whack, it gives you a good signal to uh, buy silver. Um, but if you're just holding, then you know obviously you're not going to worry about it. You're not going to. Um, 
focus on that particular number a whole lot. Now, again, as I was saying before, there are a lot of folks that like to to kind of play that silver-gold ratio, and they'll uh, when that ratio closes up, as it did uh, during the pandemic, it went down into the 60s to 1. Um, you know, at that point, you might want to sell some silver and buy gold. When that spread gets bigger and you see that silver is undervalued, then that might be a good time to sell some gold and buy some silver. I know folks actually do that. Um, but you know, overall, I think it's wise to hold both gold and silver in your portfolio. I think um, generally, eh, I'm not going to give a number. I, I, you know, that's that's an investment question. You might want to ask your your broker or ask a shift gold precious metal specialist. Uh, but it is good to have both metals. They both have their functions, and it's important to understand that silver is more volatile than gold. Silver is going to fluctuate a lot more than gold. But generally speaking, silver and gold will move in tandem. So when gold is in a bull market. Silver will generally be in a bull market as well. In fact, interestingly, silver tends to outperform gold in a gold bull market. That silver ratio tends to get wider when you're kind of in a bear market. And then when you get into the bull market, that ratio tends to close up a bit, as again we saw during the uh, the pandemic. So if you're just holding long-term physical possession, I wouldn't be overly concerned with this, with that mint ratio or the silver-gold ratio. Uh, if you're doing more aggressive investing and, and looking to buy, then it is a good way to kind of determine how the market is running. Okay, here's a really good question. I honestly don't know the best answer to. Uh, the question is, in order to mitigate the risk of USD value crashing, should you buy gold-related equities from stock markets outside of the U.S.? Uh, for instance, buy Barrett Gold from Canadian or German stock markets. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, that would be a good question for a stock broker. On the surface, it does kind of make sense. I see what the questioner is getting at. So the idea would be if you buy on the Canadian stock market, you would be buying in Canadian dollars. And therefore, if the dollar crashes, you're holding this stock uh, in Canadian dollars, you can sell it back in Canadian dollars. So in a way, it's kind of a roundabout way to play the uh, currency markets. I, I see the idea of it. I don't know what you would look at in terms of transaction costs of investing in a foreign stock market, uh, what the tax rules might be. So I can't really answer that question in, in, a, in a really concrete way uh, because there could be costs that I'm not aware of. But I see the idea of it. And, and the, the concept there is smart, avoiding the dollar at this point, probably isn't a bad idea when the Federal Reserve continues to print trillions of them out of thin air, when we're looking at a, a very high inflation environment, where we're possibly moving toward a stagflationary environment. If we ever did hit a hyperinflationary environment, certainly you would want to be as uh, shielded from the dollar as possible. So could be a good strategy. I don't know the exact answer. Talk to a stockbroker about that so you can be aware of all of the costs and, and benefits of doing such a thing. Next question. You are now the president. Oh, God forbid. Not, not a job I would do. 
but I can only make changes that improve the lives of cats in your jurisdiction. What three things would you change to support felines in your community? Look, I know cats. Cats don't want no president. They do what they want, so they don't need me. So I would do nothing. Cats, be free. Cats are the uh, quintessential anarchists. They don't need a president. Next question. I'm invested in gold, but how can I make make the best use of it when things go poopsie? I love the term poopsie. It's a really good question. Um, And so my question and responsible would be, how poopsie are we talking? Um, You know, if we're talking normal poopsie, um, like right now, I think things are pretty poopsie when you have uh, really high inflation. Um, You know, if we have a currency crisis, uh, I think you will always be able to cash out of your gold um, as long as we're not talking about zombie apocalypse kind of meltdown. Um, So, you know, if you're in a situation where we're in hyperinflation and you need to, you know, buy groceries, you could certainly find somebody who would buy your gold for the current exchange rate of currency, and then you would be able to buy your food. Now, if we're talking about zombie apocalypse, gold would not be as ideal as silver. And that's why really when it comes to, you know, speculating about the possibility of a barter economy where you really have a a societal meltdown. Um, I really like silver in that instance because obviously silver is more portable. Um, you know, I, I can I could easily exchange silver for actual goods and services. And that's why I think it's important to hold both. If you're really cons- concerned about the big poopsie meltdown, um, I think it's important to have silver in your investment strategy, physical silver that you can get your hands on. I think silver is the ideal barter metal. Gold is a better store of wealth. It's a better shield, uh, safe haven for inflation. Uh, It's better to navigate the normal ups and downs of this wacko economy. Um, But for things really going poopsie, I like silver. Um, and then some would argue alcohol, cigarettes, and bullets are also good things to have in that ultimate meltdown. So, um, this one, it's a super simple question, which it's not. Uh, he says, I know gold is a commodity, but can you elaborate on ways to keep it safe? With the impending crash, how are we going to use it and safeguard it? Obviously, not talking about having it uh, is a key factor, but what else? Yeah, so first off, I, I think the key to this is that you should always have your physical gold in a place that you can access it. Um, Shift Gold has both vaulting and safe services that they can point you to. Um, you know, you don't want your gold in. Uh, a safe deposit box at a bank because the banks may shut down. You don't want to depend on ETFs, which is basically gold uh, securities that are traded on the stock market because obviously you will never see that gold. So you want to have physical access to your gold, whether it be through private vaulting uh, that you can access or actually keeping it somewhere safe in your physical possession. So I think that's key. Uh, Again, going back to the last question, what do you do when things go poopsie? 
again, this is why I like silver because it, you know, your your one ounce gold coin that's suddenly worth ten thousand dollars, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to spend if we're talking about zombie meltdown. Um, you know, generally what we're talking about here at Shift Gold is again the normal fluctuations, which could be severe, but normal within this economic environment. So, you know, and I would I would consider in normalcy the US dollar losing its reserve currency and, you know, the world going to some other reserve whether that be gold or some other currency. Uh, if you have gold, you can always convert it into the strongest currency necessary to get the things that you need. If we're talking complete meltdown, we're talking barter economy, uh, gold becomes a little bit more pro- problematic. You want to have silver. Um so, yeah, I don't know if that completely answers the question, but um, I think physical possession is extremely important. At least some of your gold you should be able to get your hands on relatively easy. And again, uh, the folks over at Shift Gold can help with both vaulting services and uh, high-quality safes. Um Getting down to the last questions, you knew that there were going to be a bunch of crypto questions. Somebody asked, why are the return on cryptos so many magnitudes greater than those of silver or gold? I really kind of feel like this is a trolling question because everybody knows Peter's position on cryptocurrency. Um, I've said before, I don't have that negative view of crypto. I think silver, gold, and crypto are legitimate, important investments. But, um, you know, I feel like this guy's kind of trying to troll a little bit. Um, I could flip this question and say, why are cryptos so much more volatile than gold and silver? Because really, what we see in particularly Bitcoin is a lot of volatility. I mean, we've had uh, within the last six months, I've seen uh, you know, we're above 60,000 now. We're at record levels. I've seen it down in the 30,000s uh, this year as well. So a lot of volatility. And as with any investment, it really depends on when you talk about returns, when do you get in and when do you get out? You know, if you bought, uh, you know, crypto at $50,000 and then panicked and sold it when it dropped to 30, well, your returns weren't all that great. Um, so, you know, I get frustrated too. There's a guy that likes to troll the uh, the Shift Gold YouTube channel and uh, talk about what a horrible investment gold is because it's down over the last decade. Well, yeah, if you pick the last decade, it is down. Uh, but if you pick like eight years, it's up. So, any investment, it depends on when you get in and when you get out when you start talking about returns. But that leads to, a, I think, a more legitimate question on Bitcoin. Why is or isn't precious metal superior as money to Bitcoin? And I would say, I, I don't know that I would be comfortable categorizing any as superior. I think there are some things that gold and silver have that crypto doesn't. I think that gold and silver have established themselves as money over a long period of history, you know, thousands of years for gold and silver. Uh, We know that they are valued and used as money. Bitcoin hadn't been around that long. Um, 
And I don't really think that things have settled out in terms of, you know, even what the prevailing cryptocurrency is going to be. I'm not convinced that it's going to be Bitcoin. Bitcoin could go to zero. Bitcoin could be the cryptocurrency. I don't know. There could be something else that comes down the pike that usurps Bitcoin. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty just in terms of um, a lack of, you know, history to look at when it comes to cryptos. Um, I think that the fact that gold and silver are physical things, um, I think that is advantageous. Again, we talked a little bit earlier about having physical possession. I cannot have physical possession of Bitcoin. If we were ever in a situation where the power grid went down or the internet went down or you know the government blocked the internet, you ain't got no Bitcoin. You got to have electricity and computers to have Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, those are disadvantaged. But I think there are some things about crypto and the blockchain that are very appealing. And I think, you know, my opinion is anything that provides a com competition to fiat currency is a good thing. Anything that challenges the Federal Reserve's monopoly on money is good. Crypto, gold, silver. I think we should be looking at ways to utilize all of those things instead of dollars, because it is the monopoly on money that the government has that really causes so much problem in the economy. I'm all for a free market in money. Let precious metals and crypto and whatever else compete in the marketplace and may the best money win. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I'm a little old school. I do think there are some things about gold and silver that are, um, that are important to consider, some limitations on crypto that I think are important to consider, but I'm not anti-crypto. I think that crypto could be uh, a, a wonderful thing, a wonderful way to transact business um, outside of government control. So I hedged on a lot of these answers. So that, that was the last question. We're going to wrap this up. I know this is a longer episode than usual. I hope you enjoyed it. So that's a gold wrap for this week. You get more details. Well, no, you can't get more details on any of these stories because there aren't stories. But you can get details on what's going on in the world of precious metals over at shiftgold.com slash news. Of course, if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes, on Stitcher, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links to all of this stuff is on the show notes page. Next week, we'll be back to a normal episode of the Friday Gold Wrap. Hope you enjoyed this one. Have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you next time.